Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by Inexpo. Inexpo's enterprise video communication and engagement solutions enable leaders to quickly and effectively communicate and inspire action for audiences in support of strategic initiatives. To learn more, please visit www.inexpo.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by the Human Capital Institute, where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. We help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name's Andrew Bateman. I'm your host for today. And joining me is Dan Smeda, a Twin Cities-based sales consultant who spends lots of time with different uh, salespeople from different backgrounds and is here to share his experiences with us. Dan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with your folks today. So, Dan, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the the challenges that come about when we're engaging the millennial sales force, and especially when uh, we're doing that, that from a centralized location and they're all over the place across the globe. So, obviously, that's something that uh, presents a, a unique and challenging uh, set of circumstances. So uh, if you could tell us a little bit about about your background in that area to help set us up uh, for this podcast. Sure, thanks. Uh, so I've been, I've been around for a transformation in the way communication happens. When I started as a consultant 20 years ago, it was all live meetings, and we relied on uh, face-to-face, rah-rah type meetings for engaging salespeople, uh, that plus managers going out in the field. That's expensive to do now and much harder than ever as sales forces have become leaner and uh, you know, technology's come into the play too now. So how we engage is different. How people want to be engaged is different. And I found that with my clients, we're really using now a mix of live and alternative means to keep the the culture growing and people engaged. And so I see the shift and uh, how clients today of mine are really capitalizing on some of the tools that are available to do a better job without spending as much money as they used to. Now, one of those uh, sort of uh, hot topics over the last couple of years has been sort of the preferences of the millennial workforce. And it's something that here at HCI, Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about um, and I, I would really appreciate it if you could just review some of those challenges for our listeners uh, that are associated with uh, engaging the millennial workers to start with. Yes, this is a this is a clearly a hot topic, Andrew. I just posted something about why millennial salespeople might be closing less, and uh, within just a few days, thirteen thousand views and a ton of comments and shares. So it's clearly a hot topic right now. And HCI practitioners will be familiar with, I think, many of these. But in particular, for trying to engage salespeople, you are dealing with shorter attention spans and an expectation of more rapid-fire delivery and meetings. I remember I used to have two days to train salespeople on essential fundamental skills. And now to get a half day with people is, I think, a, a, a pretty significant commitment. So... Attention spans are shorter. Loyalty is more fluid. So I think there's more of a degree of skepticism around, you know, uh, loyalty to the company and am I really a part of the culture in a remote sales force? I think that's exacerbated. And I think for all employees, and especially for millennials, patience is limited. Uh, if, if millennials in particular don't feel like they're getting what they need from the culture and the organization in terms of their own professional and personal development, 
uh, that's when talent starts looking around and evaluating their options. So uh, challenges for all ages, of course, uh, with the millennial generation, it seems to be more pronounced. That's my observational data. And I know that HCI practitioners uh, with experience are probably nodding their heads right now on the podcast. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly I am for sure. Uh, and you mentioned this a little bit, but I'm sure that this really is exacerbated when we talk about the pre- prevalence of a dispersed uh, or a remote workforce, um, especially when we talk about salespeople. These are definitely mm-hmm. folks that are scattered across the different regions so that they can have that interpersonal contact with their clients, but perhaps not so much with their employers. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Andrew, great point. Uh, even for sales forces that have a, a home base, being out in the field uh, makes it harder to feel connected with the culture. Uh, for one, we've created 3D for 2D communication. A face-to-face meeting with your boss or with colleagues simply is richer and more nuanced than a phone call. And a phone call, we're down to one of five senses. Uh, and that's a challenge. So is the ratio of formal to informal communication. Uh, the water cooler goes away when I'm in the field, and my limitation or my communication with headquarters and my colleagues, especially non-sales colleagues, uh, starts to be limited to more formal meetings about topics versus catching people in the hall or the elevator and the water cooler. And then finally, uh, if I'm in the field, my opportunistic communication and branding opportunities go down. For example, if I'm in the office, I can run into the CEO or the VP in the hallway, make a good impression, maybe communicate a little, feel like I'm building my brand and that I'm important to that VIP. Uh, That doesn't happen in the hallway of your house. Right? That happens in the hallway of the office. So being in the field, simply more tenuous connections and more of a challenge in terms of keeping that culture and connection flowing. Okay, so I, so now for those of us that, that might work from home from time to time, you're kind of scaring us a little bit. So tell us what you do to work with companies that are working to address that challenge uh, so that they can overcome some of those risks that, that are associated with, uh, with uh, engaging their remote workforce. I sure will. So I am working with companies that are addressing this challenge. uh, And there are a few main strategies, I think, that matter most. I'll start with one that's free, and then I'll go from most expensive to least expensive in terms of money and in terms of time out of the field. Perhaps the biggest cost of engaging salespeople in a traditional way is time out of field that they spend coming to headquarters or coming to a sales meeting. So uh, the first one that's free is simply caring about your people and being willing to invest the time and energy in connecting and building culture and helping them feel engaged and like they matter and they're part of the team and valuable. That's free. Caring is free. Uh, Starting with that baseline, uh, it's still, I believe, about strategically investing in bringing salespeople in off their islands. Nothing replaces, truly replaces face-to-face live communication, uh, the chance to shake a hand and look someone in the eye in a 3D environment. It's expensive, but also vital to salespeople who often thrive on that level of communication. And if, uh, if you're trying to grow communities of practice and learning networks 
in your organization key elements. Again, though, it's strategic. And with my clients, we are ruthless about who gets to come to those meetings. There aren't a lot of hangers on. There's no row in the back of observers necessarily. And we also are super strategic about who gets the meeting time. We focus on things that can only be done or can be done best in live face-to-face situations like practicing selling and not just learning information we can get in other ways. So, so Dan, so, I was just going to say, is, is there any, uh, anything that you can do um, that's sort of the inverse of that? It, it, can you, uh, you, you know, an example would be at HCI, one of the things that, that we enjoy uh, is the uh, opportunity to all convene at our seven uh, events throughout the year. And that's when a lot of our remote workers are in the same place. So it seems like that's an opportunity that we take here to strategically invest in, in uniting everybody that's a, a remote worker. That's not bringing them into the office. That's more like the office sort of coming to them. Is that another opportunity that exists in terms of strategically investing in bringing people together? I would totally agree with that, Andrew. Bringing the company to the field is a way to uh, not just keep your expenses down, but make it special for everyone. Uh, my clients have sent everyone from technical trainers to senior executives on road shows and field tours and rides with salespeople. Uh, and uh, if you're trying to, a disappointed emphasis here, if you're trying to put your arms around your stars in the field and make your salespeople feel valued, uh, strongly consider investing senior executive time in the field with these salespeople to simply go with them, help them, support them, make them feel valued, learn from them, show them the love, so to speak. So I love that idea, Andrew, bringing the company uh, to the field. It's an art. Uh, seeing the right people for the right reasons is an art, but it's magical when it works. And then how about technology? Obviously, you mentioned uh, at the top that that was something that you're seeing uh, is that organizations are really harnessing the tools available to them to take advantage of more informal opportunities to connect where it might not be as much of a, of a strategic investment in uh, making one-on-one uh, personal time uh, occur, but, but more along the lines of an investment in technology that allows for these to happen um, on, on much more frequent and, and perhaps more unscheduled uh, basis. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, frequency is important. And I want to focus on this one because it's an easy one because it seems like the cheapest, but I believe it's also the best value for engaging salespeople at a distance, especially when you consider the soft cost of time out of the field, right? The most expensive part of engaging your remote sellers is taking them away from the field. So there are a couple elements though to using technology, one formal and one informal. First of all, in the informal communication, uh, my clients are moving from phone calls to video calls, fewer conference calls and emails, more video chats and uh, video calls with each other so that we can double the census involved it's also that screen-based communication. It is the way young people relate now. Our millennial sellers are, are letting your call go to voicemail, but they're uh, in the Google Hangout or on the Snapchat. So face-to-face on the screen. 
And it can be as easy as free and if you can master Google Hangouts. But if you're going to do that, you've got to get good at the tech yourself. Right? Having a manager or a leader fumble through a Google Hangout uh, is like me you know, trying to work a video game in front of my children. Uh, ironic. So that's the informal, right, is you can absolutely, I think, double the senses involved by moving in that video-based meeting environment just day-to-day. That's a great example, Dan. I mean, I, I, it's so cringeworthy to see a leader fumble with tech, and uh, and I can just see you trying to master uh, the the latest uh, video game. So th- thank you for that, Ben and I. <laughs> ben and I really appreciated that um, that example. Is there anything uh, more specifically? You know, you mentioned Google Hangouts, but uh, what other platforms come to mind in terms of uh, their sort of ability to? Uh, to uh, elevate the um, uh, the experience for for the uh, engagement of, of a remote workforce. Yeah, good question. So there really is. If you're talking about informal communication versus the formal, more structured and strategic engagement you do with people, I think there are two different levels of platform required. In the informal, we talked about that video-based call among colleagues. You know, there are plenty of easy ways that people are already doing that deal via Google Hangout, WebEx, GoToMeeting, et cetera. When you, uh, when you look at those scaling up into larger form events like celebratory or, uh, you know, where you're trying to unify a team or help people feel part of the bigger tribe, now you're into a bigger type of event, the, the virtual sales meeting. And I love this one because done well, it really can have an impact, but it is different. And so by virtual sales meeting, I don't mean a town hall conference call where an executive gets on and talks, and then there's uh, some question and answer and people go their own ways. That's old school, and I don't think that necessarily works for today's modern and millennial seller. So by virtual sales meeting, I mean using a technology platform that to conduct a sales meeting that replicates the unique value salespeople get from real meetings. In other words, it looks and feels as much like a real sales meeting as possible. Uh, and that, I think that's the key to getting in millennials and I think sellers really of all ages involved in a virtual sales meeting. That's I love that example, uh, especially the the making it as close as possible to uh, you know the uh, the unique the unique experience that that would come if they were all in the same room and I think that that's kind of the goal of, of a really good uh, you know video conferencing platform um, are there any other examples in terms of uh, you know some ways that you can use this not just for communication but for perhaps learning mm-hmm. or, or delivering sort of organizational values and, and sort of making sure that those types of things are uh, clearly um, emphasized so that they become something that the employees carry with them in their in their day-to-day yes Andrew I like your question there uh, there are probably a few real keys to making a virtual sales meeting work and why having an effective platform is so important in a virtual meeting you actually have a wide variety of learning modes and communication channels to keep Millennials not but just entertained but learning uh, for example in the Inexpo platform we in a virtual sales meeting have multiple streams open you might be watching the speaker but you are also potentially downloading content 
from the platform itself. Uh, you may be uh, asking a question in the Q&A. You may be required to answer a question in the chat. You may answer a poll. Uh, but if you put all those together, it pre presents a variety of learning modes that allow you to go beyond lecture. And if you're delivering something of value and helping them really get it, uh, your millennial sellers will appreciate you for it. But it's a matter of having enough different learning modes and tools that you're moving beyond that traditional lecture. So one other thing, uh, sorry, Dan, I was just going to ask another thing uh, that came to mind for me was that um, you mentioned earlier when you set up sort of the challenges that when you're in a uh, brick and mortar workplace, you have that opportunity to run into the, the CEO or senior leader in the hallway. Uh, and that helps you sort of uh, make your presence known. And, and I think you had a great way of saying this was you become important in the eyes of that VIP. Are there any sort of opportunities to brand yourself when it comes to virtual meetings? Uh, you know, I do think so uh, in a couple ways. Uh, the first is simply having uh, exposure to those senior leaders uh, on, a, on a platform in a virtual sales meeting can be expanded. Uh, typically, you see your VIPs come in do a speech, maybe attend a session or a function, fly off to the next engagement partway through the meeting. Uh, we just ran a meeting with a client of mine at an expo where uh, they, the CEO himself, he not just did the speech, but extended Q&A, participated in the panel, serving ta as talent for uh, pre-produced drama, and then doing a virtual meet and greet in a private chat room with a small group of high performers, all done at a distance, all done in a way that fit the CEO's schedule. And really, I think a, a broader, in some ways, chance to increase exposure and branding opportunities on a platform like that. Here's another way, one other way. On a, on a platform like, a, uh, like an InExpo, you have the, the chance to leverage the power of pre-produced content you can create sessions in advance. That is not only a way to make things much more entertaining. For example, we've had a major amount of success using basic production tech technology to turn sessions into game shows, dramas, new pro news programs, uh, even political debates this year. All very PC, all content heavy and relevant. The point is uh, you're now keeping the seller's attention through more diverse delivery modes than lecture or workshop. And what you also have the ability to do is now tap into the creative power and contribution of your millennial sellers in the field. For example, several of the sessions that I've run just recently with an ed tech client in the InExpo platform were delivered by and contributed to by sellers in the field using either pre-recorded or live video technology to, to make a contribution. And what a tremendous branding and visibility opportunity for uh, your up-and-coming high-potential sellers without some of the unnatural stress of having to get up in front of a, an auditorium of their peers, for example. So I love the virtual meeting for uh, branding and uh, self-promotional visibility type of uh, opportunities, but also the, simply the chance to contribute 
that helps many of your high potential sellers feel valued and connected. I, I absolutely love that, uh, that example, um, Dan. And I think that that was something that we, that we saw in uh, the recent uh, webcast that we did uh, with an expo. So I appreciate you uh, alluding to that again. I, I think that what you were talking about is just a great example of fostering that collaborative uh, nature and, the, and, like you said, the willingness for um, uh, not just millennials, but all employees to have the opportunity to contribute to the, the sort of crowdsourcing of that content that, that can be uh, really help to push the values of the organization um, across to those that, that might not be as comfortable uh, in the contribution role, but definitely would appreciate it as an attendee of those events. So I think that the, these are all really great examples of how to engage the the remote uh, worker and, and really just the modern workforce. And, and uh, so I appreciate you you sharing that. Is there anything that, that sort of uh, comes to mind when you, you know, you, you started at the top talking about that this has been a, a real shift. Is there any sort of uh, sort of parting words or advice that you would give for folks looking to sort of dip their toes in, in ways to, uh, to really take advantage of the, the new technology or the new mindset shifts that are out there? Yeah, Andrew, I think there's just a couple things in closing. Uh, many of the folks on this podcast are probably already dealing with the, the crunch. Uh, more than ever, Salespeople in the field need a connection. They need to learn and be professionally developed. We need to build that loyalty. But uh, our time and our money, our our T&E, both time and time out of field, are both more limited than ever. So sales leaders are pushing against anything that takes people away from selling. And uh, the CFO is pushing against anything that ups our costs, uh, like a sales meeting. So... Many folks are already dealing with that, and I do believe that technology is a much better answer than most people realize these days because of the value points that I mentioned. And I think for folks that aren't feeling that yet, uh, it's time to get ahead of that curve, right? Uh, If you are coming to the business as a practitioner saying, hey, here's a strategy for maximizing time in the field and minimizing our costs, I think your sales leaders and your business leader to look at you from in the HR or talent human capital role as more of a business partner. I think that's good for everyone. So technology could be key used well uh, to not only uh, make the business work better, but ultimately to engage and retain your top millennial talent. Absolutely. Dan, thank you so much. This has really been a great conversation. We at HCI really appreciate your contributions today. My pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for the great questions. I appreciate the chance to help. We would also like to thank all of you who have tuned in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard today. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Lastly, along with a big thank you to Dan Smeda, another big thank you to InExpo. Without their generous support, HCI wouldn't be able to deliver great content like this. So if you're interested in learning more about what we've discussed in today's episode, you can find resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, I'm Andrew Bateman.